Hello and welcome back to another week of Kent and the Steering Team. As always, you are joined by myself, Drew, my dear friends, Philip and Bianca. Unfortunately, Kent couldn't be here this week. He's been busy watching the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer on repeat, I might add. Anyway, on with the show. How are we, team? I'm fine. So Kent's basically being like most of the entire world. Um, minus Bianca and I, because I believe I believe we're, we're being quite good about that, but I'm sure we'll get to more of that later. Yeah, I'm well otherwise. Um, yep. Loving life. I've got Sarah in the country. and um, Woo! Yeah, yeah, doing, doing brilliantly. So, um, yeah, Bianca? Yeah, I'm good. I'm just, like, exhausted. I think I'm just mentally drained from being inside all this time. I think I need to go for a walk, like a proper long-ass walk, not just down go to the local... Yeah, go for a stroll and don't be back for a while. Yeah, I just, I walk uh, like I walk every day to go to the coffee shop down the road. But I think I need to go further than that. I think I need to take a go nice five k walk. You should um, get to the coffee shop and then just keep walking. Yeah, and I never come <laughs> back. Um, but we actually have a lot to talk about today. So how about we get straight into it? Yeah, okay. We do, we do. So, Bianca, do you want to kick us off with some entertainment news? That I do. So, our first segment is called Only Bands, and I'm really happy about that name, so I'm just going to keep saying it. Perfect. Only Bands. <laughs> Only Fans last week on Thursday announced that they were banning all sexual content from its app starting on October after building a loyal community base of sex workers. And their followers have... Uh, bleh, a loyal community base of sex workers and their followers have now officially decided to turn over that decision. Uh, the decision came after the company received much backlash following the news of the ban on August 19th. Founder Tim Stokely initially said the change was in response to obstacles from the ban, the initial change of banning sex workers. Um, they said that you know there was opposition from the banks about the whole thing. However, OnlyFans now say that it's secured the necessary assurances uh, to support its creators and community. And uh, yeah, now a lot of people have come out and talked about how stupid this whole f- entire thing was because essentially sex con- sexual content was like 90% of what its creations are known for. Uh, hang on, hang on. So wait, so they're not going to be banning sexual content on there now? No, so they banned it, nope. in, they abandoned it last week on August 19th said that as of October 1st, no more sexual content. Then this week backflipped on it because they realized fucking everyone was going to lose their shit. Look, look, I mean, okay. But so, so my, my understanding of it was when they spoke about how banks were having an issue with it and all that, I thought that part of the issue was things like, um, remember with Tumblr, the issue wasn't so much though. I mean, I know that they got bought out by Yahoo, but then they kind of just allowed them to keep doing their own thing. And Tumblr, to my knowledge, was known for porn. I never used Tumblr, so I didn't know that that was a fucking thing. And then people were like, oh, Tumblr's banning porn. And I was like, Tumblr? Like, isn't that the one where, like, emo kids go and, like, talk about how miserable they are? Like, isn't that what it was? I don't know. Anyway, um, the issue with Tumblr was that um, Apple was going to remove Tumblr from its app, uh, App Store, because Apple said that Tumblr was not regulating um, or managing what sort of explicit content was on there and therefore the chance of there being um, uh, illegal, illegally obtained 
um, explicit content like child pornography or um, rape um, pornography um, or um, hate. What's what's the the hate one called? Hate porn, isn't it? Hate porn. Oh, is that yeah. a thing? I don't oh, know. The one, the porn. one, basically revenge porn. revenge porn. That's the one I was looking for. Um, <laughs> there was a chance that that was happening because it wasn't being regulated, um, and so Tumblr had to make the decision either be dropped from the app store or remove all of explicit content and they chose to do that one in order to remain on on the app store in order to continue to make money off ads etc 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 um and i thought there was going to be the same sort of thing with um i thought that was the same situation with OnlyFans here where the the issue was that um yes the banks weren't weren't um going to pay them anymore or allow them to to control the money for the same issue that there was unregulated content because there's more footage being uploaded onto there than what can be regulated, um, you know, physically viewed by regulators to confirm that it is not um, explicit or illegal. Um, and so the issue was they couldn't do that. I thought that was the whole issue, but somehow they've been able to overcome that. That's that's how the hell do you overcome that? Clearly, they've got other investors now and not banks bankrolling this. Um, and that's why they're allowed to get get away with it. I, sorry, I've spoken a lot so, about this. So thing. I really think <laughs> that you're right. You're hitting the nail on the head with Tumblr because I, I, I want to talk about OnlyFans and its selling opportunities kind of thing. So Tumblr was sold to Yahoo in 2013. They bought it from the founder, David Karp, for $1.1 billion in 2017. Jeez. Um. Then as it was going, Verizon Communication bought out Tumblr. Mm -hmm. And then the Apple Store thing kind of happened, but the, 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 there was a very easy workaround for the Apple Store thing. They could have made it um, adult content. You can actually have an adult content warning on App Store. It wasn't the adult content, though. It was the chance of there being no, illegal no. content. So, but that was the thing. And then they could have hired, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Mod people who, like, monitor stuff. Moder moderators. moderators. Yeah, they could have hired moderators like Facebook does. And it's a $1.1 billion business. Don't forget that number because Verizon, Verizon sorry, um, bought out Yahoo in 2018 and they're the ones who made the ban. They're the ones who called the called the thing to make the ban because they don't do moderation. Verizon is Verizon is like Optus kind of thing, yep. basically in America. Yep. Um, yep. They called the ban, and then most of the community because they didn't just ban, you know, the hardcore sex stuff. There was a lot of stuff on Tumblr that was mostly focused to LGBT kids and LGBT adults as well, just because th there wasn't anywhere and there still isn't anywhere for LGBT people to go, like, learn about sexual health and just sex in general. Really? That's what these forums were created for. There was a lot of sex therapists on there and stuff that used to do their thing yep. out of there. And then there yep. was obviously the porno. And then there was also fan art, um and fan content that was created for sexually explicit reasons. Also, DeviantArt doesn't do sex fan art anymore. Um, you can't find, yeah. like they've banned that too there. So there was no place for like fan art and everything. Everyone left Tumblr. Tumblr, literally the, de the decline in Tumblr 
was overnight, the amount of people using it. And within a year, Verizon struggled to find someone to buy Tumblr. It was eventually bought out by WordPress um, or the owner of WordPress, Automatic, for less than $3 million. My God. So how the mighty fall. They they kind of say so that that, that was the thing. Uh, everyone immediately compared it to what happened with Tumblr, and I think that shit like scared the um, yeah. Only that, fans that's a owners. massive that that's that's just a real chance that of happening specifically because of nine, the audience. It was a nine hundred million dollar loss just from banning yep. sex. Because, yeah, and, and they were indiscriminate about it as well. Like, just pictures of nipples started getting banned, which the whole free the nipple thing was a massive thing back then. So it was just like, yeah, it was everyone revolted. But anyway, moving on, they've obviously, uh, OnlyFans is back. It will have sexual content again. And, uh, yeah, um, moving on, the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer, which we talked about just before, or Phil mentioned, um, that's what yes. Ken's doing tonight. So the the trailer was rele- leaked, sorry, on, I've got 24th of August here, but it was actually leaked on the 23rd of August, our time. Um, Marvel and Sony then went into overdrive trying to stop the trailer from being distributed too much in the leak. And Tom Holland came out and said that, you know, tr- fans don't try and spoil it for yourself and all that kind of he stuff. He also said, they, you guys aren't ready yet. You guys aren't ready yet, blah, blah, blah. They went into yeah. overdrive trying to stop this leak. And to be honest, the leak, I haven't seen it. I never watched it, but I saw the photo of it. It was a really mm. shitty leak of someone had recorded themselves. Someone had recorded it on their phone. And then the yep. leak was someone had then recorded themselves watching the recorded version on their phone. It was a, yep. it was an inception kind of thing because the the director of the film reposted the video after the trailer got released oh really yeah oh what a dick (laughs) um anyway so then marvel and sony because everyone's been wanting this trailer for ages marvel and sony then 24 hours later released the trailer officially on all of their socials um it's unclear whether or not marvel or sony actually did intend to release the trailer this week i don't think so a lot of people don't think so but a lot of the fans are pointing out the fact that um, in WandaVision, uh, they had August 24th circled on the calendar. Um, but between all the delays and mix-ups with all the release dates and all that, I don't. I think that's just coincidence, really. So, um, so, what so on, 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 on that, I, I, I don't think it is coincidence because from my understanding, the leaked, like the original video of it was filmed from August 22nd at CinemaCon where the trailer debuted. So I'm guessing that the people at CinemaCon just got to see it a day early before an actual release. And we had 24 hours of crazy where people were Mm. sharing that leaked version. Mm. I feel like it was still coming August 23rd one way or the other. Uh, I don't know. I feel like that was just a cover up. It could be, but I, I, at the I, same time, Marvel does things very intentionally. I, I, well, I reckon the, the, the WandaVision calendar thing was more a hopeful release date for something. As in not a trailer, as in a film. Yeah, but neither of the other two films 
seem to have any um, any bearing over what's going on in WandaVision. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I need to finish WandaVision. Got a couple of episodes left, I think. Yeah. Okay. Um, also, um, the leaked photos of to- there are leaked photos of Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield out there, um, and Sony and Marvel are making a- their mission to get rid of all of them. But those ones I've mm. seen, they popped up in my timeline a few times. But I still haven't watched the I trailer, haven't- and I'm not going to. But it has broken Avengers release date, Avengers Endgame trailer record of 289 million views. It's been viewed well, 355 million times. Well, well I can account for about. Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. I was gonna say that that you know you you said um, you know that you were a significant watcher of this, and in fact you were more excited for this than you were in game. Oh yeah, without a doubt. I I so I can account for at least eight of those viewings in that twenty four hours. My um, my uh, look, I've <laughs> I've watched. I skim watched it once just because yep. I wanted to see a little bit of the um, what was going on and everything like that. Yeah, the trailer revealed a lot um an awful lot um and so i totally see where you are bianca i say best of luck to you to to try and um avoid finding out what happens well here's the thing i already know what happens because i know that i know that the sinister six i know no i know that the sinister six is going to be involved because they wanted to make the sinister six for ages and that means doc ock green goblin electro Sandman, Lizard, and possibly Vulture. Yeah, but 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 what I what I meant more being, I mean, because we know those parts because the, we've seen leaks and rumors and all that sort of stuff going on for ages and ages and ages. Um, the the part that like it, there's a lot of storyline to it, so it 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 completely revealed to, to me. It does the the cardinal sin of of a trailer gives away the plotline. No doubt there's going to be a whole another side to it, which which we haven't seen. But for the very first trailer to give away so much of it. Um, it's almost like seeing a mini version of the movie. So I yeah, I'm really excited for the movie, but I don't want to watch the trailer again. I really hope there is another side to it that they haven't revealed in the trailer. I, 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 I don't think they have revealed Tony, uh, Tony, Toby Maguire and Andrew Garfield in the trailer, have they? Would That's you just, like me to confirm or deny that? Or Yeah, yeah confirm I, that. I don't I, think I, they I, have I, because they keep deleting the photos. Yep. So ne- neither of them are shown in the trailer um there is only one one villain that's outright shown in there and that was yeah alfred molina who because alfred molina confessed that he was in the movie before he was supposed to alfred oh yeah he's the new new tom holland yeah but also he was kind of the headline kind of um signal that there was potential or what what the point of this movie was um he was the kind of um we still don't know if who played Green Goblin. Um, okay, so a couple Defoe. of things with that. Willem Dafoe has been seen on set. Willem, I saw a leaked photo of him by purely by accident um, because I, I didn't want to see anything. Um, at least like nothing where it's being leaked like this. Is that, James that's Franco why I didn't I didn't watch the leaked trailer. Nah, James Franco not. is not invited back to anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, there there is reference to Defoe's Green Goblin in the trailer. Will yeah, it- yeah. There's so you see, I've seen screenshots because they're everywhere. Yeah. I can't avoid them. I don't know yeah, what the, the plot the, is, but I can kind of guess. The pumpkin grenade appears. Yeah, so you see the grenades. You see Doc Ock. I think you see Sandstorm. 
and then you yeah. see Electro's um, lightning. People think they yeah. see Lizard. I don't know if they. I don't know if Lizard's going to be in it, but Lizard is a part of the Sinister Six. Um, I'm not. I'm not sold on whether or not that's Lizard. I, I think Rhino seen there. it a few times. I can't remember what his actual name is, but the Rhino guy. Um, yeah. I think he's in it. Um, in yeah, in regard, Rhino. Phil, to your your thing about them doing the cardinal sin of revealing the whole plot of the movie, I think. And this is this is just me making my musings on this, but what I think they've revealed to us is what they want you to think is the A plot. So the story, like many stories, would have an A plot and a B plot. Mm. What I think Marvel's doing, which they do quite often, is they give you what they what you think is the A plot, and it turns out that's the B plot, and the A plot is the one that they're keeping hidden. Yeah, they're also very well I think- known for um putting fake scenes in their trailer. Like there was a fake yep. scene in the Endgame trailer um, yep. that never happened and couldn't have happened because it makes no sense with the plot. Um, yep, there's also one in for the um, Infinity War trailer that was never in there. Oh, I think I'm thinking of but, Infinity War. Ba- basically, no, one of though, Hulk- I, look, I, I'm going to join you, Bianca, on on staying out of it. Let I'll, I'll stay out of it and let I'll, I'll see what... Um, Yep. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what we get. As in, as yep. in, I want to do that because I enjoy a movie so much more. Like I've still watched only half of one trailer of um, Black Widow, and I will watch that movie when I when I can. Um, yep. Potentially at the cinema if it's still out in cinema when the cinema. Hopefully, if it is, we'll be there with you to watch it in there. Yeah. And again, I don't want to know anything really about what goes. I know how I know how yep. the storyline ends, but I don't know what the movie's about. So I'm excited for that. Um, yep. Should we move on to some Britney Spears news? Yes. Yes, we shall. Britney Spears' father has officially stepped down as Spears' conservatorship, uh, cons- conservator, citing that the hate he has received as one of the reasons, but also he has come out and said that the true depth of his superstar daughter's mental health and drug addiction problems are actually secret. Um, and this is also mentioned in the court documents. Lawyer Vivian Thoreen, who submitted the documents to Los Angeles County Court on Jamie's behalf, wrote, if the, publicly, if the public knew all the facts about Miss Spears' personal life, not only her highs but also her lows, all the addiction and mental health issues that she has struggled with and all the challenges of the conservatorship, they would praise Mr Spears for the job he has done but not vilify him. Uh, and not vilify him, sorry. But the public does not know all the facts and they have no right to know. So there will be no public redemption for Mr. Spears. That's a little bit of a, like a, oh, poor me. I had to look after all my daughter's money and use all her money for my own court case fees and everything like that. Like, I'll get no day in the limelight. No, what is that? Like that's a bit, like that's a bit of a slap in the face, car. though. Like, I, like, I think that if it was true, daughter. if it was true what he's saying there would have been more evidence of him taking care less of himself and more of her. Does that make sense? Like, there's not enough evidence that he did not take care of himself with that money and that he took Mm. care of her at all. But but the public is not questioning there being um, a greater severity to her drug and mental health problems. No one has ever questioned that. What we're questioning is why he didn't do more to help her rather than help himself. Playing devil's advocate again, no one's ever actually questioned what should happen, who should step forward in in place of her father 
or if there should true. be anyone at all. That's true. But I feel I like we're going to see more in the coming weeks about that as, you know, we find out if her conservatorship is going to be continued or who takes over and what have you. And if someone else does take over, maybe then we'll find out why or if there needs to be a conservatorship. Then I think, it, it, I think now that the father's out of the picture, it's about to get a lot more interesting. Mm. Um, final little bit, because I just think it's really interesting. Uh, before we jump out, Spencer Eldon, a.k.a. Nirvana Kid, is suing the surviving band members David Grohl and Chris Novoselic, Novoselic, sorry, as well Novoselic. as Cobain <laughs> Estate, as well as the Cobain Estate and the photographer of the uh, notorious album cover from Nevermind, Kirk Weddle, for lifetime lifelong damages saying that by refusing to censor his penis in the iconic artwork that nirvana failed to protect him from child sexual exploitation the lawsuit also states cobain chose to the image depicting spencer like a sex worker grabbing for a dollar bill that is positioned dangling from a fish hook in front of his nude body with his penis explicitly displayed Nirvana, money grab, money grab, money grab. Yeah. He says, Nirvana exploited me when I was a baby to sell their music, but there is a person behind every image. I'm just asking that the band to do, I'm just asking the band to do what they should have done 30 years ago and redact my genitals from the image out of respect for my privacy. If the world <laughs> could forget about it, then maybe I could forget about it too. Uh, he's also asking for $150,000. Just, just saying. Um, That's all? The, his law firm has said, our client Spencer Eldon has never had a choice. Nirvana use, Nirvana's use of client's picture in their album cover is nothing less than child exploitation. Why didn't you go after your parents? Okay, so can I just say, firstly, the photographer, uh, Weddle, I think his name is, yeah, Kirk Weddle, he was fa family friends with Spencer Eldon's father. Spencer Eldon's father helped with the photo shoot that was done in their own pool and Spencer Eldon's father was paid $200 for that day <clears throat> for to use to, to photograph his kid. Again, go after your parents then, dickhead. Yep. But what I find interesting about this is that they're saying that it's child pornography. Now, if the case is that it's child pornography, this becomes a very different case because that is a public image that has been used by and seen and distributed and all of us i'm pretty sure own a copy of that image somewhere whether we've had yeah. a t-shirt we've had the album we've had whatever now there's four there's four things about child sex pornography sorry four 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 ways that you can be uh charged with child sex pornography um you can be a distributor in which you s pass the photos along and you make money off of it this is not makeup sorry you can be a makeup but then the other four ways are distributor you get it for money a viewer you've seen it um someone who uh hoards it or saves it i can't remember the actual word for it but someone who has it like stashed on the side hard drive somewhere um or someone who uh, passes it along. So you don't get it for money, but you do just pass it along or you put it somewhere or publish it somewhere. If when, when a child is exploited, this isn't in all states, but I know for a fact that it's in New York. This isn't in California, which is where this photo was taken. But I, I know the New York law for it because I watch a fuck ton of SVU. 
Um, if you're a victim of child sexual images, every single person who engages in one of those four uh, uh, four things of your child sex photo, which is horrifying, but you know, true, they can owe you a monetary value. You can sue them. You have every right to sue them. I don't know if the law is the same in California, but if this is child sex and because American law is all very, um, American law has pre, what's the word I'm looking for? It, it, it's Yeah, precedence. It's, it's mostly based on precedence. If this becomes it and that becomes the precedent, technically everyone the rest of his life yeah he can sue every single person who's ever engaged with that photo in one of the four ways so if well, i've if i've given you my nirvana album like say i had an album and i had the cd cover and i've just handed it to you and be like hey listen to this and it's got his picture on it i have engaged in child sex trafficking tra- you know the, tra- the 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 trafficking of child sex imagery and then i can be sued well, and jailed one, one, and put on a one final one final step on this though is brian cunningham and michael ackerman um two california lawyers who specialize in child sex trafficking um and human rights cases um they've both said which kind of i i completely agree with because this is, this is a ridiculous thing it's just a money grab this whole thing um they've both said that it's basically just trivializing trivializing actual sex trafficking um and 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 especially because this guy's since posed you know for a similar sort of photo or replicating the photo multiple times like he's just it's literally just a money grab and he's just taking the piss this is ridiculous totally ridiculous um but anyway i think i think we should go to a commercial break and after that we will come back with um james bond review of goldfinger and thunderball Hey guys, just a little PSA from us. Please remember, only go out if it's for something essential right now. And if you do need to go out, wear a mask. It helps you. It helps everyone else. It's the right thing to do in these times. Otherwise, stay home, listen to a podcast like this one. (laughs) See what we did there. Anyway, stay safe. If you can, get vaccinated. Otherwise, have fun. Enjoy the rest of the show. And we're back. And once again, we're diving into our James Bond reviews. So you'll recall last week we did the first two films in the series, Dr. No and From Russia With Love. This week we're back to you with Goldfinger and Thunderball. So let's kick off with Goldfinger. The synopsis for the film goes thusly. While investigating a gold magnate's smuggling... James Bond uncovers a plot to contaminate the Fort Knox gold reserve. Yeah. So, gang, what do we think? Yes, this film is, um, it does... I thought Dr. Mm. No was my least favourite villain. Nope. (laughs) I hate Goldfinger. I wanted to punch him so many times throughout this film. They were just, they were just... Goldfinger was annoying. Um, the entire movie, I kept calling um, Odd Job Random Task. Um, because <laughs> I, kept, I kept thinking of Austin Powers. In fact, this movie of the three of them made me think of Austin Powers uh. the most, especially with the parts where 
you know, it'd be like, just kill Bond. And they'd be like, no, no, we're not going to kill you. You were going to show you our entire plan, all of it, every single detail about it, every single thing. We're going to And then we're going to take you along. We're going to take you along. That frustrated me. They took him with them. Not only that, though, Bianca, but the part of the movie where um, Bond's... They've got Bond... They're they're, they're plotting about Fort Knox. And so they've got Bond in a a cell. They're holding him in a cell. Um, (laughs) And then James Bond, I don't know, ducks down below the door or something like that. And the security guard there goes, Oh, what? I can't see him because he's not literally standing in the doorway now. So then he goes, (laughs) I can't see him. So he goes and opens the door and he gets like beats the shit out of the security guard and escapes and then when they put him back in the cell again when he gets caught again instead of i don't know closing the door and just trusting that he's still in there because he never actually left it last time he just made the guy think he did but he never actually did instead of doing that they kept the door open and just all stood outside and watched him and it's like just close the door he's not going anywhere and like it just again this is basically the whole doctor evil um and and scott evil um having the conversation Noss and powers where he says wait you're not gonna even go you're never gonna watch him kill him like i've got a gun in my room i'll go get it bam dead and doctor <laughs> evil just turned around and says scott you just don't get it do you like what the fuck man no, just I don't. kill him I don't get it. <laughs> you know what to me the funniest part of his escape was after he like I, I agree when he ducked down to escape and the yeah. guy was like let me go look check on him and open the door because I can't see him through the glass. Mm. Um when he ends up below the table, the diorama of Fort Knox. Mm. How the entirety of the diorama is a table except for Fort Knox which is a looking thing. Like he can stick his head up into Fort Knox mm-hmm. and look yep. around, but the rest is just a flat table. And I'm like, what? who the fuck built this diorama mm-hmm. that built a little looking vi- window from the bottom? And all the, and all the mobsters, Bianca, in that very scene all being like, um, what is this? Some kind of room? Oh, what is this? Some kind of map? Oh, I don't like this. It's getting dark in it. It's like, can you stop? expositioning or ex- like stop doing the exposition for the scene like i get it treats the audience like they're stupid <laughs> yeah um i must say though this movie um scores 10 out of 10 for raping um he oh yeah yep. literally yep. rapes pussy galore like literally That's he, she scene. says no he then fights her to the ground pins her down thrusts his crutch against her really inappropriately and then forces himself onto her. I can't believe I watched that in a film. Again, talk... And kisses her until she's pliant. Yeah, and again, I last week I I spoke about the fact that I had to pause the movie and walk away. I had to stop for a good hour, not come back to it because of that. I was like, oh my god, what am I watching? So, yeah. Yep. I, um... Yeah, this this one was just hard to watch. I did not, I didn't like I, it. Also, I, the fuck, I forgot Tilly died. I I completely forgot the sister died. Both the sisters. Yeah. So Jill was yep. coated in gold and suffocated. Oh yeah, yeah that yeah. I and com- then that was all just like what the fuck. Um, and then he finds the sister trying to kill Goldfinger, and then he stops her or something because she almost shoots Bond. 
and then mm. um, odd job the uses his hat. Or oh, yeah, sorry, pulls the trip whatever. I can't remember yeah. how it happened. I I completely forgot she died. I just thought she was there, and I like Tilly. I also used to get confused mm. between Tilly and Pussy Galore because why is every woman in this movie blonde? Yeah. Um, I, uh, I I said that... I, I messaged you guys this as well, but I, I literally... I feel this way about this. I said, I feel sorry for Sean Connery that he's best remembered for these movies. Imagine being remembered for having no acting skills at all. Um, it's totally embarrassing and being a rapist. Like, my God. Um, mind you, we did get the best casting of the entire franchise absolutely the best casting and that was the db5 aston martin as the spy car absolutely inspired <laughs> that was sensational oh so the one thing yes, about was. the one thing about goldfinger that i think we should probably talk about when we, were, we talked about it last week how we're going to see films evolve mm. in regards to just the bond film this is now the formula for a Bond film. Yeah, it, it was kind of there in the first one, in the second one. Sorry, the first one was this weird introduction where it was just a it was a movie with a character named Bond. Um, yep. The second one, which was from Russia with Love, we kind of see the format, you know, a bit more. But this one is like if you if you look at how a Bond film goes, this is sort of the blueprint for it. The, the song at the beginning with the dancing and, you know, a special song just for this. Then the um, way that they... Finger. Yeah, the fact that there's often multiple women throughout it. And, mm. you know, he goes through the... He meets the villain and there's a bit of a Cold War. And, like, this became the formula for Bond. Yeah. Um, it was also the first film directed by Guy Hamilton, who went on to uh, direct a couple more Bond films later. Um, and, yeah, it was sort of just the typical Bond film. That's why Goldfinger is sort of seen as the standard, I guess. Yeah. I don't know why. Yeah, the villain I really was wanted annoying. to kill. I really wanted to kill Goldfinger, or at least just be like... I, I was yelling at him throughout the whole thing, just kill Bond. The fucking laser i never realized how ridiculous it was until mind i you, watched it this time mind you special effects wise that was pretty cool that laser i think they did that really really well um the laser that we was actually do you know do you know why there was a laser there no why is it? there was there wasn't a laser in the book it was a chainsaw or a circular a circular saw we um we were, we were all watching but it um so mum dad and i were watching yeah. this one and we we're trying to we we're, were commenting on it and trying to work out how they were doing it because again for the time the special effects was pretty impressive for that laser it's practical mm. effects which i i do appreciate with uh, these old films that mm. i like practical effects um yeah and you can see them a lot more in these films um, you start to see a few more explosions and like big practical explosions in this one, especially around the car chase and around um, a little bit around Fort Knox, but a little more, I suppose, around um, Goldfinger's base of operations. I um, also appreciated the the Fort Knox sequence, even though the entire thing was just stupid of... Mm. how elaborate his scheme was and the fact that he took i was just mostly yelling at the thing why did you bring the person who can foil your plans to the plan well like 
just kill him and leave him at the base. Like, I, anyway, but no, that whole Fort Knox sequence when they're like, the, the planes drop the neurotoxin and then um, yeah they go inside. Like, that whole thing was fun. That was like a proper espionage little thing that happened there. Like, well, it, was, well, it was a typical spy film action scene, in my well, opinion. Well, Bianca gave... Uh, Bianca. Drew gave us... Um, he's written um, some handy little um, notes here for us. And I think a really cool one is... And the one that I was thinking about while watching it was... Um, the recreation of the Fort Knox um, repository of Pinewood Studios um, was incredibly accurate. Considering no one involved in the movie had been allowed inside the real location for security reasons, which is literally what I was thinking of. I was like, how did they get this? Like, so right. Um, the set looked so mm. real that a 24-hour guard was placed on the Fort Knox set at Pinewood Studios so that... Pilferers. Pilferers, thank you, would not steal the gold bar props. <laughs> I led it to the production um, uh, fro- from the Fort Knox controller, congratulated Ken Adam and his team on the recreation... Uh, Yurik Goldfinger's 3D model map used for his Operation Grand Slam is now housed as a permanent exhibition at the real Fort Knox. It's cool. Brilliant. Didn't know that. Yeah, so that that crappy floor model is actually living in Fort Knox now. Oh, the one where they could look up from underneath. Yeah, I didn't think think the model was bad. Don't get me wrong. I just thought it was like (laughs) you built an entire model, but you built like a little headspace for just people to peer up sneakily from underneath. Like the fuck. Yep. If you look at yeah, if you look from the sense. bottom, the entire there is an entire ceiling and it's all flat except for that one model. I don't understand the logic of it. Okay. No. But speaking of all the fight scenes and practical effects, I want to talk about Thunderball for a second. So, Drew synopsis. No wait, before we get to that, let's get um, on, let's do our scores. Yeah, we, oh, sorry, um, scores. Yeah, we gotta do our scores. Um, but also, before we did the scores quickly, last week, Bianca, you um, brought up how Honey Rider's voice is dubbed over in Doctor No. Well, the same thing was actually done for Goldfinger. Ah, oh, I didn't know that. I didn't notice it. I genuinely did not notice it. So when I found out afterwards, I, I sort of stopped for a second and went, really? I, I've never paid attention to that. But turns out he, the the actor that played Goldfinger, Gert Frobe, spoke very little English. So British actor Michael Collins dubbed his voice. So Guy Hamilton instructed Frobe to speak his lines in German very quickly, which would apparently assist with the dubbing process. It doesn't make it... I don't know why they didn't just cast someone that could speak English. Oh, like it's interesting. Well, actually, 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 I can I can tell you what happened there. They intended to cast Orson Welles, except Orson Welles was asking for too much money, so they didn't go with him. Except by the time they went with Gert Frobe, he started demanding more money, and by the end of the production, they wondered if it may as well have just been better to get Orson Welles. It would have been. Can I just say um, the f- the scene with. Um, oddball, oddball, odd job, <laughs> odd job, <laughs> odd job um, Goldfinger and Bond. Yeah. <laughs> I know it was in my head too for a little bit, but when they're at the golf course, that was the most pointless scene in the film. 
It was. That entire it, golf yep. section, it, I just Bianca, was like, you could have cut this out. Bianca, and it getting, still made getting sense. to the scores on that, I, I mean, Drew will go in a second. I'll, I'll say my scores. I think technically this film's probably getting a... This time it gets a five because I, as much as I think, I think it's a refinement on the the formula, but at the same time it's not very um, groundbreaking. Um, I thought that, despite the fact that some set pieces were interesting, really it was just a crappy script. Not really, not not an interesting concept at all. At all is probably the most pointless of all the Bond films so far of the the, the three. Um, but I had I said that I thought that the golf scene, the golf switcheroo is the second best moment in the entire franchise so far after seeing the DB5, um, the Bond car. Um, reason being, it was that, yes, pointless as it was in that film, I thought it was the most enjoyable to this point because, um, hey, it was nice to see Bond actually get a one-up on someone else and also it was him being a smartass, which we haven't actually seen him go gung-ho and full-on with so far. We've only seen him kind of being a bit is he really being a smartass or is he just a bit shit at what he does? This is James actually being actual smartass. So, um, yeah, it gets a five technically. Personally, it gets a three, this film. <laughs> Drew, you're up. <laughs> um, technically, I give it a six. Um, there are just a few things that I like in, in the technical aspects of it. Um, basically anything to do with the car and the car chase mm-hmm. sequence I, I thought was well shot. I also, uh, there's there's a lot of things I despise in this movie, but I do appreciate the um, the sequence where Goldfinger is cheating at cards. I, I just like the way that scene is framed and shot. And I the airplane, yeah, Bianca? Sorry, I didn't understand why he was, why he lost cards. Like, did he... Because then he kills Jill, so there's really no point in him losing cards. He could have just, you know, kept playing and not lost on purpose. He has to win. Pardon? He has to. He has to win. So Bond is making him lose to lose all his money. I thought he was threatening um, Jill. I didn't understand that sequence. But also, anyway, sorry. Uh, continue. No, no. Sorry, sorry, sorry to interrupt. Really quickly, I know we're going over time here for this review, but, but, um. What just quickly, you know how his car they smelted his car down? The gold yep. car. They put that yeah. car on a commercial flight and shipped it well, well flew it to Switzerland from England mm-hmm. and he was driving it and it was made of gold. That plane would have fallen out of the sky with a gold car on it. Gold's heavy. Yeah. Also, yeah, it's driven, another. Oh, even if he did drive fast, he would have needed a lot of petrol. <laughs> I wouldn't have moved. It was so heavy. Anyway, yeah, Drew, continue scores, please. Yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, look, for a number of technical reasons, I give it a six. Personally, I give it a four. I I never liked this one very much as a kid. I always thought it was overrated and ridiculous. And the more I learnt about the even the book versus the film and the more I understand it over the years and even now, I I just don't like it that much. It's one I'm happy to skip if I'm going through the films, but for the sake of this, we're watching it. So six out of 10 and four out of 10. Bianca? All right, look, we haven't been rating Bond songs yet, but I just like that this is the first Shirley Bassey one. So 10 out Mm. of 10 because Shirley Bassey kind of 
led this series. She, I think she, well, no, she has yeah. the most Bond songs. Um, yeah. But then technically I'd probably give it a six. Uh, you're right. There was a lot of special effects in this one that weren't in the other ones. Um, I'd like to also give set design. I know I gave a lot of shit to the table, but that just made me laugh mostly. Um, but I'd probably give the set designs in this one a lot higher score. I think this was like nine out of 10 set designs. They had proper sets comparatively to other film, the other two films that I've seen we've watched in this series so far. Um, and I liked, even though they did do a lot of exposition for Goldfinger's, uh, you know, apartment bunker kind of thing, it was mm. fun to see the full spy secret, you know, table and secret window. Even though there was a, it was a giant secret painting of a, you know, of a map. Like that was just weird, but um, yeah, that was all fun. Um, but yeah, the plot wise, it's not the greatest one. It's not, there's the rape that happens. It's very obviously a rape. It's not even like somewhat disguised. Nope. Um, probably around like three. I, yeah, it, it's not my favorite one, but the fact that it does kind of formulate the bond stuff is interesting. Yep. Cause you can kind of see where all the other bond films go. Mm from here mm. okay Drew, thunderball g- give us thunderball. all right thunderball well we'll start off with another great synopsis james bond heads to the bahamas what a shock to recover two nuclear warheads stolen by specter agent emilio lago in an international extortion scheme yes indeed i i I, th- I think we know the formula by now. So what do we think? Yeah, this one definitely is to the formula. Um, I have to say it's my favorite one that I've watched so far. Um, I, I, yeah. I really enjoyed it all the way through. It had, it had, um, you know, we got to see kind of, yeah, again, we saw Spectre and we saw all that and we saw them formulating the plan. We had, um, I want to take over the world or I want to destroy the world happening. Um, it was a good old ransom as well. Um but again, then we saw from Bond and, and um, the double O side of it, the MI6 side of it, um, it having to work with other organizations and stuff, it made it feel a little bit more more plausible or realistic in some senses. Um, and then again, in the Bahamas, you know, we saw typical Bond villain with the sharks and everything. They had the fantastic boat that could split in half and be two separate boats and stuff. Um, I thought that the... Um, camera work with the Vulcan plane was brilliant. I thought that the underwater scenes were fantastic. Maybe a little bit overused in the end with the massive fight scene at the very end, which is just pointless. Like, it just... It was such a pathetic fight because it was all underwater, but nonetheless that seems like they loved the fact they had that new technology and just wanted to use it off, uh, show it off as much as possible. But the whole set design with the Vulcan um, stuck underwater or, or sinking underwater was brilliantly done. It looked fantastic. Um... Mm. Uh, again, I, I really, really enjoyed this one um, of from a Bond plot, espionage, double cross, um, world organizations involved, enemy wanting to take over the world. It just, it was kind of, 
it, it's nailed the formula in my sense, uh, in, in my books with this one. Um, still a bit of raping going on. Um, I thought the funniest scene was Bond on the um, the spine stretching um, bed. <laughs> and getting yes. thrown around like a psychopath. That was hilarious. Um, I thought that the, the special effects with having the same guy in the room twice and just saying it's mm. special effects. Uh, sorry, it's um, plastic surgery. I thought that was brilliant. R- really well done. Yeah. Um, yeah, this this movie nailed nailed it for me. I was really, really happy with it. Um, Bianca? So, this movie plot-wise I couldn't mentally hang on to, but I think probably because I watched both Bond movies back-to-back and I was just like, I'm done now. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. I do like Domino because she comes back later as Kim Basinger. Basinger? Basinger. But Domino does come. Basinger? Yeah, she comes back in the series. So I just think that's interesting. This is her first appearance. Um, but you won't, you won't see her again. It's because this movie's remade with Kim Basinger. Oh, is it? This is the one that got remade by another studio. It's not. You won't see her back in this series. Did this get remade? Yeah. Yep. Oh, so it's so we're not going to watch it, are we? Nope. Don't have to. Oh no, I didn't even realize. Um. Anyway. Um. Trust me, it's not worth it. Okay. Yeah. Um. Interesting. Domino was dubbed as well in this movie by oh the God. same actress who dubbed Honey Rider, um, Nikki Vanderzil. Um. So she's dubbed two Bond actresses. Um, yep. I don't know why they just keep dubbing people with weird accents. But anyway, um, I liked the fight scenes underwater. Um, I agree the one at the end probably went on too long, but it was fun to watch from a... Yeah, but from a technical standpoint, it was fun to watch because you can see how they um, chopped and changed. Like there's... there's, Mm. What's the scene where... There's a part where he like launches a torpedo kind of thing from his oxygen tank. And you can oh, yeah, see yeah, yeah. the pause yeah. and the, yeah. you know, restart, which again, probably back in the day didn't look as bad on a HD television. Um, but it's just interesting watching those special effects evolve. Um, Too much use of um, fast forward, though. <laughs> yeah, there is a bit of f- use of fast <laughs> to show, forward. To show speed, like, you know, even the fight scene at the end that's in fast forward, <laughs> and it's just like. Like on the boat, I mean, and it's like, all right, guys, settle down. Things don't move that bloody fast. Relax. Um, I think there was like a couple of scenes where there was goofs, but I can't really remember them. And I was just kind of paying attention. I'm like, oh, there's a dude in the background that was definitely not supposed to be there. Um, but they are getting, they did get a lot better with this film. Um, and yeah, I liked the whole surgically altered moment as well because it was just very. It was very typical spy and also mm. just showing where things were at in cinema at the time. I don't know. I like that. Um, also, fun yeah. fact for this one and the last four. These last four movies are Stan Lee and Jack Kirby, who are massive Bond fans. They use, I think it was before Thunderball. I think it was um, after, uh, what was the one that we just did? Good oh, my man. God. What? Goldfinger. I think it was after Goldfinger. They were inspired by the whole Spectre MI6 like feud and it inspired Hydra and S.H.I.E.L.D. So what we know today as the current story in the MCU between, you know, the massive war between Hydra and S.H.I.E.L.D. They didn't exist before the Bond films. That was... And Nick Fury is uh, 
American Bond-esque character. Um, which, yeah, I found interesting when I was reading about it. True. Hmm. Uh, I really enjoy this film. I always have. Um, uh, I think there's a reason this one was remade. Aside from there, there is a massive, long, long story behind why it got remade by another studio and all of that, and we're not going to go into that right now. But I, I think that story-wise, there is a lot of potential there, and I think that in many ways they do stick the landing. It is a very enjoyable film from beginning to end. It has good actors, um, great locales. It keeps your interest. There's a lot of entertainment in there. I liked Bond's little bit of revenge after the um, after that awkward scene where he's um, being spread out on that mm-hmm. on that bed <laughs> with mm-hmm. the machine going. I thoroughly enjoyed watching him put the stick through the through the handles yeah, the and turning the the, um, the steam up. Yeah. <laughs> um, there are a lot of elements in in there that I really enjoy. So yeah, for me, it's it's one that I quite like watching. And the jetpack um, at the start, the jetpack, the mm. bloody jet, the jetpack was real, which is a really cool thing. And as for the um, the scene where Connery is underwater with the sharks, the glass panels that are or actually they were clear plastic panels that were shielding him from the sharks. They weren't actually big enough. So he really was swimming with those sharks. So when you see Bond on in the film looking in sheer terror, that's actually Sean Connery in sheer terror. <laughs> Good on him for doing it, though. Um, Drew, it's also the yes. first... Yeah? No, no, go ahead. Oh, just very quickly. It's also the first time that it's actually Sean Connery doing the gun barrel sequence at the beginning of the film because for the first three films, it was a stand-in doing it, but they had to reshoot the sequence because of the new Panavision process being used for the film. Well, good. good so, this is the first time a Bond actor has done the walk-in. Good. It's always nice when it is the actor cool. doing it. Um, yep. Your now, drew. as for scores, yes. technically, 8 out of 10, I think it is a big step up because it knows when to play it simple and it knows when to um, go a little bit further and... I, I will I could give it the eight out of ten purely for the underwater sequences and for the way they choreographed and shot those scenes, especially with the camouflage going down over the plane absolutely, under the water. Absolutely. That that alone is enough to give it that. Personal enjoyment and all of that, eight out of ten as well. I I think the stance is a bloody good film and I think a, a blueprint for many Bond films to come. Yeah, I would give it um I'd probably give it an eight tech- technically again as well. Um, again, comparing it to the other ones. And again, that's what I'm doing. I'm comparing it directly to the one before it um, or the couple before it. Um, this one steps yep. it up. It, it's just really hitting its stride. It knows exactly what it's doing, but then it's also introducing little bits of new technology. Again, the jetpack um, with um, the underwater f- um, footage and sequences and using um, better props and better set design and um, scripting is a lot more put together and tight. A little bit of humor, a little bit of seriousness. Um, unfortunately, still the sex um, or the inappropriateness. Again, the fact that he talks to the person, or he's, you know, that he literally tells the, the chick that her brother's dead and then she goes, Oh, is that why you slept with me? Like, my, what the fuck is what? Anyway, um, personally, I'll give it a. I'll give it an eight as well. No, I'll give it a seven. I'll give it a seven. Um, again, the the 
couple of parts which are hard to to um, sit through again, like the raping, but it's going to be a constant thing. Unfortunately, it's going to be constantly yeah. marked down for that. But um, seven, at least until the nineties, exactly. <laughs> but otherwise, yeah. thoroughly enjoyable. Otherwise, this was a really well put together film. And again, um, uh, if if we're at this sort of level and this sort of tightness um, from here on out, um, bring it on, Bianco. Uh, I will give it. 8 out of 10 for technical because for the time it was friggin' amazing. Um, if you think mm. about the technologies they had, what year is this? 1965? Four. Four. Yeah. For the te- oh, five. Sorry. Five. Yeah, yeah, five. For the technologies they had and for like everything that was going on, sound pretty damn good. Yeah, the sound design is a much better. Um, and the, and mm. I don't the know. Um, fighting choreography. Yeah, the, the fighting in this is actually kind of... Uh, and this is us going back to last week talking about how you watch the evolution of film. Um, the fighting is a bit more typical of what you kind of see in maybe 70s and 80s action films where it's a bit more... You focus on the fighting, not so yeah. much the scene. Does that make sense? Mm. Like, yeah. if you even go back to... Uh, uh, what do you call it? Doctor, not Doctor, no, Goldfinger. The fighting in that was, there was scenes where there was fighting, but some of the fighting just happened in scenes and they were talking while they were doing it or they were having, you know, ex- exposition and shit. Yeah. This was just, nope, this is a fight scene. That's it. Yep. Um, I don't know. Anyway, but for me, I, I don't, I think it was probably just because I watched back to back the movies i couldn't concentrate on the plot mm-hmm. um yep. so for that i'm not really sure what it is because i can't really remember it um <laughs> i did watch these years ago um <laughs> so i probably give it about a six because i don't really know what happened to be honest mm-hmm. that's fine yeah yep fair. yep um anyway we'll continue our bond um watch through and review next week um but for now let's head to our what the quote and now it's time for What the Quote for another week. Of course, we start with last week's quote, which was, What drew? Mrs. Robinson, you're trying to seduce me, aren't you? And that, of course, is Dustin Hoffman from The Graduate. Yes, indeed it is. Um, and now, Bianca, this week's quote, it's a long one. Give it to me. I didn't want to say that. It sounded gross, but go on, Bianca. Just say the quote now. <laughs> now that it's awkward. <laughs> Here's to the crazy ones, the misfits, the rebels, the troublemakers, the round pegs in square holes, the ones who see things differently. They're not fond of rules. You can quote them, disagree with them, glorify or vilify them, but the only thing you can't do is ignore them, because they change things. They push the human race forward, and while some may see them as the crazy ones, we see genius. Because the ones who are crazy enough to think that they can change the world are probably the ones who do. Now, of course, if you know where that inspirational quote is from, please reach out to us on all the social media platforms, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You know the drill. Anyway, on with the show. And we're back. And we have just had another wonderful What the Quote. And we'd like to take this moment to have a little special shout out to one of our key listeners, Phil's mum, who has successfully figured out the last two weeks of quotes. Yeah, two weeks so well done, 
Philip, please cue some thunderous applause here in the final recording, just to show our true appreciation. But alas, the other week, Phil informed us of how he had been listening to a song from his childhood that had left him a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, it was um, it was from a childhood cassette of mine. Like um, I can I can remember almost I can remember exactly where I was listening to this song. And falling asleep to this this song, and it was always at the end of the, the cassette, and then it would do that thing that where it goes quiet and then and like clicks and turns off. Anyway, um, yep, yeah, like we all used to have cassettes like that, right? As a kid, like we all had them. Yeah, I had my fair share of the play school ones. Um, I'm sure it drove my parents insane on the cartridge. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. So, um, I mean, I had like Wiggles ones, and I had the the ABC Kids ones, and yeah, I, I love them. Yep. Absolutely love them. I um, love Wiggles, and I love the Play School ones. They were my favorite. Yeah, it, well, well, exactly. And, and so I went, I went back, and I, I, for some reason, I'd thought of one of those songs, and just kind of, I, I kind of like, I thought about it and went, Did, do I remember the lyrics correctly? Anyway, I went and then listened to it. Um, you know, me and my more woke kind of state of mind, um, and a, and a more um, adult mind was able to listen to it and um, yeah I was kind of horrified by, <laughs> by the song to be honest okay so we'll, we'll reveal the song in a second but mm. it did get us thinking about other songs from our childhood that we grew up and realized were grossly inappropriate for children to be singing or just grossly inappropriate for children in general yeah exactly right so um what what we'll do is we'll, we'll start off by taking a look at the lyrics of this song i just want to read you guys the lyrics and you can tell me um what you think about it before th- um, and then we'll go into some other songs and we don't necessarily just mean kids songs we just mean songs that we listened to when we were younger turns out that yep. we really shouldn't have been doing but anyway this song is called monkey sitting in the family tree and this was a kid's song oh, um, dear. yeah here's the lyrics so you can tell me what you think about it <clears throat> There's a monkey sitting in my family tree up near the top where everyone can see and people keep saying how he looks like me. Um, So I ask Uncle Joe on the branch down below, could you please throw the monkey from the family tree? What he did to Uncle Joe has really angered me. So I've got a rock in my big slingshot and I'm going to knock that monkey from the family tree so yeah that, that's an excerpt from the song there so um i think enough said you know oh you don't need God. to hear all of it but um yeah thoughts it's a little <sighs> it's a little racist it, pa- it paints a picture doesn't it i mean again <laughs> a little on the nose look this song this song when you listen to a recording of it there are kids singing along in the background to the song because it's a kid's song but what the fuck was going through this guy? I can't remember who wrote it. And I'm going to leave it there because we don't need to kind of address that. Yeah, I, I, le- I left his name out of our um. What was out he of our notes. thinking? Why would you make a song like it's a really it's it almost sounds like a sweet song, and then you listen to the lyrics and you're like, what? What the hell? I mean, just just before we we hit record on this segment, we were actually talking about um better homes and gardens for some reason and and drew actually mentioned um drew mentioned um the the fact that the theme song to better homes and gardens is a 
um, a Beatles song and how disappointed he was as he got older and listened to the, the lyrics and realized what the song was about. It's th- That's what we're talking about here. That kind of, what the fuck? <laughs> like, what did I, how did I, what the hell kind of thing. Yeah, you wonder how you miss these things. What's yeah. the Better Homes and Gardens song again? I can't remember. It's Getting Better by the Beatles. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's not it's not all about home improvement that song just to be clear in case anyone's not aware. <laughs> but why did, just in case. But that I mean it's not to the same extent, but I kind of wonder why Katy Perry's Hot and Cold is still the theme song to MasterChef. Not that it's an yeah. inappropriate song. Hot and Cold and that's involved in cooking. <laughs> but literally that's, that's all. The song is about a guy who's like flaky and going hot and cold. There's another reference to food, flaky pie. <laughs> but it's literally well hot done. and cold. You're hot and then you're cold and you yes and then you no. It has nothing to do with cooking, but it's catchy. No, it and does I also think I'd be... it's got it's got hot and it's got cold. There you go. Food. I think I'd be vaguely disappointed if it ever changed though. <laughs> yeah, it's iconic. Oh, um, yeah, but but yeah, that song that song was um, a hit in my childhood, um, and I can remember listening to it and it sounding like a nice song, and. It ain't a nice song ever. <laughs> no, no, it's not. Yeah. yeah. Now, look, of course, there were a whole host of songs that we were blasting through the stereo as kids, thanks to that um, blurred line of age appropriateness across the 90s and the early 2000s. Um, I think that came about predominantly as a result of us yeah. seeing a lot of those singers start off from preteen and working their way mm. through that young adult stage. But also I think perhaps it was a lot of like simply that we weren't being monitored. Like no one, stuff like One Million Mums didn't exist back in the day. And yeah. no one really <laughs> cared. And it was kind of like there was always this blurred line between what was allowed for adults and what was allowed for even kids shows had like adult raunchy jokes in them and we just didn't notice them Mm. yeah it's i mean to to that point um it it is interesting bianca that we're almost seeing this kind of um we we saw this when we reviewed kids um movies or or um three different um variations or three different movie eight movies from different kind of eras um look well two different eras um what we saw then was that the jokes and things were probably more inappropriate back then or the the nature of the content was probably more inappropriate back then but things like the 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 uh, how scary something is or um the the amount of violence or something like that seems to be more today so we're almost we're going soft on some things but getting harder in other th- other things i didn't really want to say want to say it like that but you know what i, you yeah, know what I, I mean guys mean. like there is you know, more like violence in kids worse. shows there's more, more violence now in kids shows than adult raunchy jokes is basically what you're trying to say yeah yeah, yeah. and in fact and in fact in fact that that what is said is almost now viewed as oh my god whereas back then that was fine and now what's shown isn't the issue it's it's um yeah, so it's kind of it's like kind of turned on its head or flipped over a little bit, but um, but like I, I think if I think of um going back to like school discos and stuff like that, like I can remember, I mean, any white wedding, ever, um, the Macarena, <laughs> the number one song for white people of all time and will forever dun, be dun, 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 Macarena. Um, dun, 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 dun. Yep, that's all. I I just always say dun, 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 dun. I don't know the actual words. 
Well, good. Well. Good, because <laughs> that song is... That song's really, really inappropriate. I mean, even watching the film clip, the two guys who, like, you know, one hit wonder guys who, like, were on the, the verge of retirement and were like, nah, stuff it, let's do this song. Looks like That's they're having a great time. Hit. Yeah, it looks like they're having a great time um, recording this song, Middle-Aged Men, that are kind of a little bit gross, probably. But, yeah, they're recording this song. Brilliant. Yeah, except for the fact that the song's basically about a woman who's cheating on her boyfriend um, and has a, a threesome with his two best friends while he's out of town. So, yeah, the song... Um, as popular as it is and as popular as the dance is and how absolutely adored this song is by everybody, it's not mm. very appropriate subject matter. And and again, this song was huge. At, I, and I can remember it clearly. It was right around the time that I learned to do like skids, you know, when you um, run and slide on your knees along like um, floorboards and stuff like that. Yeah, that at school. school um, <laughs> Hold discos. on. Can we, I was going to say, how, how much did skids go off at school discos? There was always oh, one was, or oh two goodness. kids who just was skidding around the fucking class, the, the dance floor, like it was I no ruined, one's business. I ruined a pair of uh, um, a pair of pants because I put um, holes in their knees because I was skidding around the room so much. It was brilliant, though. How fantastic was it? Yeah, it was brilliant. I can't brilliant. picture doing that now. If I do that, I'll, like, dislocate. I'll break my knee. How could I do that? How would I do that? I would just come to a stop. <laughs> I, I'd just fall on my knees and not move. It, would ju- it wouldn't be a skid. It would be like a fall. That was it. I just can't, I'm just trying to think of the logistics. Maybe of, a how tumble. Does, how does it, yeah, I'd fall forward. Anyway, that song, okay, which for one was of our, massive. For one of our birthdays next year, can we just hire out a community hall? No. And, and bring it back? Uh, I'm not, losing my, I'm not losing my knee, kneecaps just yeah. to prove no no way. no just so we can watch phil lose his I, well you got to put like a hessian sack on the ground before i'll do it i'm not going to get straight on my knees but anyway you know <laughs> again unsupervised child disco and that song was uh, playing. i i look at least that song kind of like gave it away in like didn't give it away sorry in the title there are songs that we all used to sing that hmm. no one like touch myself went off <laughs> like that's i used a to great sing song that's it a is really such a good song. song i used to sing it all the time as a kid i love the divinals firstly divinals are one of my favorite bands ever um yeah but yeah that song you sing it and it wasn't until a lot older that i realized why she was touching herself I just thought it was weird. I was just like, when I think about you, I touch myself. Like, I don't get it. Once I learned what oh, it was about, I was innocence. like, oh my God, I've been singing this really loudly in the car for years. I'm not <laughs> understanding why my entire family is laughing at me. Well, turning just, just on the similar vein to that, um, Bianca, I don't know if you've got any more examples, but, but a similar vein to that one, turning Japanese, that that one's... Oh, yeah. You know, I, I saw your picture, you know, <laughs> turning Japanese. That's, that's totally inappropriate. Again, it's used... It was used in my mind in every 90s and early 2000s kids movie that referenced anything Japanese. Japanese, they would yeah. Use that song. Anytime that anyone not... went to Egypt, oh, not Egypt, yeah, sorry, that, I'm thinking of almost... like an Egyptian. Anytime anyone went to Japan. Exactly. They would but, use that or, song. Um, but that song's or not Lee Harding's Wasabi. Which one? No one, no one ever song. used that song, ever. That was like that all was right, right. only what? semi-popular in Australia, and it was only semi-popular because he was on Australian Idol, and then everyone forgot about yep. it within the month. All right. Well, one one that we all witnessed over and over in um, television commercials was the Caesars jerk it out. 
Yes, of yes. course. Um, Apple iPod. The iPod Shuffle. Mm. It's um, a great song, though. But yes, not appropriate. Um, the the what do you call it? Um, Push it by Salt and Pepper. Yeah, that's a yep. classic. Genie in a bottle. You gotta rub me the right way. <laughs> that's just so inappropriate. And and again, look that that one's actually probably more like um, I touch myself, where it's by the Divinals. Just to preface that, um, where it's it's just so obvious. Like, what else are you talking about? But then you've got a sultry, sweet one that's still on similar subject matter with the Spice Girls to become one. Yep. Can I also add Thong they- Song in Australia was more confusing <laughs> for us than it was for Americans because that's in true. Australia, yep. Thong means flip-flop. It's yep. just, it's what you wear on your feet. So me yep. and my cousins knew all the words to Thong Song, which now has a really great remix, by the way. There's a, just, just to like... We don't we don't get paid for this endorsement, but there's a really good remix of Thong Song. I can't remember who it's by, but it came out this year. It was freaking brilliant. Um, yeah, Thong Song <laughs> went off at school discos. None of us knew what it was about. Also, Unleash the Dragon, also by Cisco, which is about unleashing his penis. But yeah, it came I, out I can in the year of the Yanka dragon. Very clearly, one one of my most distinct memories about um, of primary school was a talent quest because of course it was called talent quest those things had no talent um also you remember isn't it interesting that as a kid when you think of something you think wow they were so adult they were like four that the, the kid i'm thinking of who was in year six was like 10 9 like like a child like and yet i was there being like wow they're such an adult like and and like performing this song so brilliantly i want to go I back and re-watch that ex- I remember thinking the exact same thing about my year six buddy. And now I think back to it. And I'm like, they would have been 11. <laughs> like, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well and that's that. So I'm th- what I'm thinking of in my head is a, um, a group of uh, three um, year six kids when I was in year one, I think, were performing that song, Unleash the Dragon. And and I just remember being like, wow, like this is like a this is like such a professional kind of like show that they're putting on. Uh, are you kidding me? I'd love to see the teacher's perspective <laughs> of just this absolute dog shit performance of a song that's like completely not appropriate for kids to. Yeah, yeah, I, I get F- it. Philip, mm-hmm. you and I have a have a coworker who has of late um, been uh, bopping around like he's uh, ten years old at the disco again to another classic banger from um, the school discos, Venga Boys, Boom Boom. The Venga boys are coming. Th- I knew what that song was That's about as a kid. One. That's Venga boss. <laughs> Wait. Oh, I don't know. Boom, 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 boom. I want you in I my want room. You in my room. Yeah, again, for me in primary school, that was the song of my house in primary school. That was the song of my um, sports house. <laughs> what? I think it was called really? that, Yeah. Hold on. Um, you went to the religious ca- primary school. No, no, no. But this is this is when I was at um, public school in year oh, one, okay. in half of year one and kindergarten. This was that was the song. Um, the lyrics were changed. Um, it mentioned Rafter in there because that was the name of our house um, in in at that school. But yeah, that song was the song that we sung about. Yeah, I, how? Why? I don't know. But it's not appropriate in any way. But yeah, well, ours Again, was um, ours was um, get the party started by Pink. 
And where it says, you'll be kissing my ass, we used to like slap our booties and we were like seven. It was just so Now that sounds more like child pornography than- um, That's true. Than the album. The Nirvana Mm -hmm. boy. Um, What about, um, there's a funny lyric in the Space Jam song that, it's something about, oh yeah, okay, I had to go find it. So- just slide from the left to the right. Just slide yourself the night. QCD, drop the bass, 3.1, all in your face. Jam on it. Let's have some fun. Jam on it. One-on-one. <laughs> you run the hole because I got the D, so come on, baby. Just jam on me. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that was in a kid's movie. Yeah. Really 96 was a, was a fun time, wasn't it? And I knew all the lyrics to this song when I was like, six wait 96 i was three years old when that movie came out i've known all the lyrics to that song i never realized what that was talking about until the new movie came out and then i was singing it in the kitchen because son apparently my brain likes to like store lyrics in my head and i can just recall them at random times um and i was singing it and i was going the whole way through and then i'm like you got the whole and i because i got the d and i'm like whoa wait what (laughs) what was that but yeah. Oh dear God. Oh dear. Wow. Song lyrics again. Um, as uh, anyone, uh. anyone out there in the audience, I want you to listen back or think back to to your childhood or when you were younger, and think of a song that you loved or adored. Was it inappropriate? Was it really not? Really something that you should actually be singing as a child or a youngster, or did you just completely misunderstand a song, even as an adult, completely misunderstand a song and then go, oh, 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 okay. Yeah. We'd oh my God. Now I've got let it whip stuck in my head. So let it whip, just whip it, baby. Just whip <laughs> it, right? I loved that song as a kid too. <laughs> anyway. Wow. Let's get to our sick Kent of the week. Yes, that sound means that it is, in fact, time for our sick end of the week um, and time for us to go. So, our yes. sick end of the week, uh, Drew or Bianca? Um, Bianca brought it to us. It made it Drew weep, which is hilarious. Oh, that was a testing Because it... <laughs> That's what you get for having a giggle at my expense. Mm-hmm. Now, let's I be like fair. That. It made two out of the three of us weep. Yeah, but... Did it make, did it make you weep, Bianca? Yeah, it did. I had to go wash oh. my face before my meeting. <laughs> I, I, I watched this right before my meeting. So John Cena is our sick Kent of the week. Um, John Cena, he did a little short video recently. John Cena, I have to say, actually does the most work with like the Children's Foundation. What's the what's the one where you wish make a wish? Um, he does yeah. a lot of work for Make a Wish. He, I think, last year. He fulfilled more wish ki- wish wishes for Make a Wish kids than there was days in the year or something. Like it was just this really? massive number. But this wasn't actually a Make a Wish or anything. This was just um, after one of his. He's in WWE. I don't know. I don't follow his things. Uh, yeah, something like that. He's a wrestler. After one of his wrestling yeah. matches, he was walking out of the stadium through the crowd, and he had his little like wristband, like his sweatband, in his hand. And he walked past a kid and he gave the kid his sweatband and he his massive thing was never give up or whatever. And he didn't even like spend that long with the kid. He literally just gave it because he was tired and then like waved and then nodded off and walked off. 
And that little kid's mother happened to get breast cancer later that year. And that little kid kept giving his mom uh, the John Cena wristband and being like, John Cena says, never give up. And, you know, she, every time she went and had a surgery or therapy or anything, she would take that wristband with her. And that would kind of be like her and her son's connection through that. And the little kid made a video for John Cena dedicating, you know, thanking him for helping get his family through such a tough time and with his cancer. And the whilst you know, that was all thing. The reason why I give it to John Cena or I vote for John Cena, John Cena just lost his shit during that thing. He just started crying and like when it, when and like, this is beautiful. And, you know, he's just, he's not a man who's afraid to show emotion. And he's just, that whole video made me sob. And then the little kid comes out because the John Cena's watching a video of this little kid. And then the little kid was behind the curtain kind of thing and just popped out and, you know, thanked him and the mother was there and they thanked him and there was all this hugging. It was just a very emotional video and I'm going to retweet it on our Twitter and I think everyone should watch it. It's a good video. Yep. Completely agree. Completely agree. Um, yep. John Cena, or as I wrote here, John Cena, you are our sick end of the week for this week. Um, Drew, thank you. Bianca, thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Phil, thank, thank you. you. Drew, thank you. Of course. Excellent. Um, until next week. Yeah. singing it's just the varying degree of success anyway oh i like that one everyone's capable of singing it's just the varying degree of success i appreciate that yes Yes. write that one apparently my varying degree is between zero and zero so right (laughs) i feel like that should be um i feel like that should be like an inspirational quote somewhere that just you know has a really (laughs) sad downturn at the end yeah